Amen, amen. I was just thinking about for all eternity, we'll get to sing Jesus, won't we? And I, I think sometimes about some of my friends, they, they not only get to sing Jesus, they get to see Jesus. And I, I don't know about you, I look forward to, to seeing Jesus one day. There's no other name under heaven given amongst men whereby a man must be saved than, than Jesus. And uh, it's awesome to be able to sing. Thank you, Danny, for leading us. Thank you, thank you Danny. I love you too, brother. Y'all tell Danny you love him this morning, and uh, we love you guys, and uh, we're in Nehemiah uh, chapter 6. We're kind of a series called Vision 2020, and uh, I'm just really enjoying Nehemiah. He, he, Nehemiah had a pretty uh, cushy job. He was the cupbearer for the king. It means he tested the wine before they gave it to the king, and, and uh, he heard about the walls in Jerusalem that they were down, and they, they'd been down for a long time. The Babylonians came around 606. King Nebuchadnezzar to Jerusalem, they tore down the, the walls, the temple, tore it all down, and uh, the people were able to go back uh, around 536 B.C., uh, but they hadn't been able to get the walls fixed, and if you don't have walls, you don't have any defense and bad, and so word came to Nehemiah in his cushy job that the walls were down back home, and uh, God steered his heart, and he wanted to go. He prayed, and King Artaxerxes let him go back to Jerusalem lead the people to uh, rebuild these walls. And uh, until we get to chapter 6, they've, they've got them halfway rebuilt. And he's uh, had threats from enemies. And yet Nehemiah's kind of been able to keep them focused on the task of building the walls. And uh, we come to chapter 6 this morning. I want to invite you to stand. And the title is just uh, no, no Time for Flinching. The job's almost done, uh, but it's not done yet. And so verse 1 when Sambalot and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of the enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come and let us meet together at Hakaperm in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. I sent messengers to them, saying, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. In the same way, Sanballat, for the fifth time, sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. And it is written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you're building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem, there's a king in Judah. And now the king will hear of these reports, so now come and let us take counsel together. Then I sent to him, saying, No such thing as you have been done, for you are inventing them out of your own mind. They all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work, and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. Now when I went into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Delai, son of Methabel, who was confined to his home, he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they're coming to kill you. They're coming to kill you by night. But I said, should such a man as I run away? And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I'll not go in. And I understood and saw that God had not sent him, but he had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambalot had hired him. For his, this purpose he was hired, that I should be afraid and act in this way in sin, and so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Remember Tobiah and Sambalot, oh my God, according to these things that they did, and also the prophetess Nobadiah and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. 
So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. And when all of our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Father, we pray for your help this morning. Uh, Lord, we acknowledge that uh, with you all things are possible. Uh, we acknowledge that you're the vine and we're but the branches. But if we remain in you, we can bear much fruit. Apart from you, we know we can do nothing. And so help us today and may your spirit give us receptive hearts. Teach us some things about uh, pressing on uh, for the work that you've called us to do, even when it's hard. And uh, Lord, remind us today of how much we need you. And uh, we pray you might save some even this morning, and we would give you praise because we know that you are the one who is mighty to save. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So we, uh, we get to chapter 6, and we find out that the walls have been done. Uh, verse 1, uh, when Sambalot and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of the enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left. Although at that time I had not set up the doors in the gates. And so uh, all the walls had been filled in. And they had gates every so often, east gate, west gate, different gates. And apparently that wasn't all done yet. But the walls were done. And it just when the work almost seemed to be done, the enemies uh, try some last-ditch efforts to, to stop the work. And so that's the first point this morning. Enemies seek to stop the work. And you say, well, we've had that point before. We have. We've seen it over and over. Several times we've seen the enemies come against the, the people of God and try to stop the work. And uh, here's what we know, that uh, when we labor for the kingdom of God, there will be enemies. And we have a particular enemy. Uh, you know, Paul says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, against each other, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness. And so there's an enemy called Satan. Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he wants to do to us. He, he might lie to us and, and make us think that he's for, for us, but he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said that I came that you may have life and you may have it more abundantly. And so we're going to learn some things this morning, I think, from Nehemiah as he deals with more opposition. Up until this point, it seems like the enemies have kind of come against the people that are doing the work on the walls. And now they're going to kind of direct their attention to Nehemiah. Uh, the leader, kind of go after the quarterback, if you will. And they think if we can get him out of the work, then we can stop the work. And so, first of all, they try private deception. Verse 2 says, Sambalot and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come and let us meet together at Hakaparim in the plain of Ono. Uh, and so they invited him to come out here. Uh, we might have a picture of this, but this was 35 to 40 miles away in the plain of Ono. And uh, they, they want him to come and meet with them. Now, Nehemiah, since he's about to get this wall done, he, he might have thought, well, this is, maybe this is going to be kind of like a concession speech. You know, when you, when you lose the race and you, you uh, applaud the, your opponent. And so maybe he was thinking, well, they're gonna, we're going to go out there and meet, and they're going to say, you know, Nehemiah, we oppose the work. And, and uh, anyway, you, you got it done, and uh, we recognize that. Let's be friends now, and uh, let's, let's call truce, and, and uh, let's, let's just have a peace treaty. But Nehemiah realized there at the end of verse 2 that they intended to do him harm. 
He also knew that the work wasn't done. It was almost done, but, but there was still work to do. And so for that reason, verse 3, I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Listen, if you're doing anything for the Lord, it's a great work because of who you're doing it for. And Nehemiah said, I'm doing a great work. I don't have time to come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And so uh, they, they, he said, I'm coming. Verse 4, they sent four more messages. Uh, four times in this way, and I answered them in the same way. And so they're pretty persistent, and Nehemiah is pretty persistent in saying no. So I want to point out a couple characteristics here about Nehemiah that are noteworthy, I think. First of all, leaders must know how to say no. Uh, and that sounds like a no-brainer, doesn't it? And I, I, I kidded the first group. I was like, some of you all know how to say no, and so you already got this point. Uh, but uh, saying no is hard sometimes. When I got my first job out of college, I worked at Itachi, and after a while, my my manager made me watch this video, and it was called I Feel Guilty When I Say No. And uh, I, I knew why he made me watch it. because, but Anyway, it's, it's hard to say no sometimes. We want to please people, and we, we, uh, we, we just, uh, we're prone to give in, especially when someone asks us repeatedly, and we have certain insecurities. But not Nehemiah. He knew what God's calling was, and he knew this wasn't part of it, and so he said no. And I, and I thought about that as a church. There's sometimes that we need to evaluate our ministries, and, and uh, all of them are, are good most of the time. But sometimes we have to say no to some ministries so we can focus on the, the best ones. And, and that's hard to do. And even as a pastor, there, there are lots of good opportunities and invitations and times. And, and, uh, and then I have to realize that God's called me to, uh, to study and to pray and to prepare messages, feed the sheep. That's equip the saints. Those are things that we know in the scriptures. And, and so you can't always make the ministerial meetings or some of the other things. You have to say no sometimes. And, and so Nehemiah was able to do that. And secondly, one of the things I notice is that... Uh, he doesn't try to antagonize his enemies. Uh, he doesn't accuse them of anything. It would have been hard for him to, to prove it. He just says, hey, guys, I'm too busy to come hang out with you. I've got work to do. He knew that it would take a day or two to get there, and then they'd have their little meeting, and it'd take a day or two to get back, and he just wasn't willing to give up four or five days when he had work to do on the wall. And so we need priorities, and uh, we need to protect them. And we don't have to be critical of other people's priorities. Uh, we don't have to stir them up or judge their motives. Uh, here's, here's what I know. At the end of the day, I just want to be able to say to God, I, I try to be a good steward of the hours you gave me today. And sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I say, God, I, I wasted this or I passed up this opportunity. And here's what I know, that uh, His mercies are new every day. And so the next morning, I'll try it again. But, but when He gives us certain priorities, we, we need to guard those and uh, and Nehemiah was good at that. So they, they tried private deception. That didn't work. So they're going to try some public deceit. Verse 5 says that in the same way, Sanballat for the fifth time sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. Uh, an open letter just means that you send a letter and you just invite everybody to read it. It's kind of a red letter. R-E-A-D. And so it's kind of like gossip. Everybody hears it and you want it to spread. And so as this letter went from Samaria to Jerusalem, everybody would get to see what's in it. And, and so there were some accusations there. And, and uh, let me just say that uh, be careful when believing everything you, you see or hear. Uh, I know we hear a lot about fake news, but there, there's a lot of that out there. And uh, if, especially if it's about somebody else. I mean, there's been times where someone's called me and asked me something that they heard. And I'm like, no, that ain't true. And so just realize everything you hear or read is not, not necessarily true. You, you all know that, I think. 
But not only was it an open letter, it, it was a very threatening letter. Uh, it says there that it's reported, uh, at the end of verse 6, um, it's, it's reported among the nations, and, also, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. And that's why you're building the wall. And according to these reports, and so it's 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 reported amongst the nations. That's equivalent to what we hear sometimes. Uh, preacher, people are saying. You ever hear that, Danny? You ever heard that? People are saying. You say, who's the people? Well, just people. I told him in the first service. Usually, you know what that means? That means uh, my wife thinks. And that was funny. You all can laugh. It's, it's okay, man, you can laugh. Your wife tells you something, you say, preacher, people are saying, or, or something like that. Sometimes, I, you, you always, I don't know who the people are, but people are always saying. And so it's kind of, and, uh, and we're going to have to report you to King Artaxerxes, and we're going to tell the king that you're going to lead a rebellion, and you want to become king. And listen, if that had been true, Nehemiah might have been afraid, but, but he knows that's not true. And so he, he, uh, he, he says in verse 8, I sent to him and said, no such thing as you say has been done. You're inventing them out of your own mind. And, and people do that. They, they invent stuff, don't they? Yeah, don't do that. But some people do. For they, verse 9, all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop and it will not be done. They're going to scare us and think that we're going to quit because we think the king's going to think we're going to, you know. And so they just kind of start this, this fear amongst the people. And, and then he just he denies the rumors and then he prays, Oh God, strengthen my hands. And I just want to say to you, church, that's really all we can do. When someone makes some type of false accusation, we can speak the truth, we can give it to God, and we can get back to work. Speak the truth, give it to God, and get back to work. Exactly what he does. Press on with the work. Uh, and so that didn't stop him. And then next there's some prophetic duplicity, I'm going to call it. I, I know that's a silly word, but uh, we meet this guy in verse 10 called Shemai. And he appears to have served in some official way within the temple. And so he requests Nehemiah to come and for a visit, and he indicates that he has a, a word from God. Oh, Nehemiah, you got to come. i got a word from God. i got to, you know, some people want to use that kind of language. And so he, he goes, and uh, verse 10, let us meet together. Shemaiah says to Nehemiah, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let's close the doors of the temple. They're coming to kill you. They're coming to kill you by night. And so he's trying to scare Nehemiah. He says, come, we got to hide you in the temple. Listen, only the priests were to go in the temple. Nehemiah's not a priest. So verse 11, Nehemiah said, such a man as I run away. And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I will not go in it. And Nehemiah understands that this was just deception that, that Shemaiah was, was given to him. Uh, first of all, because it was a violation for him to go into the, into the temple. He's not a priest. And so verse 12, I understood and I saw that God had not sent him, but he had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambalot, they had hired him. And so uh, now we read about Tobiah. We've read about him already. Uh, verses 17 through 19, I, I didn't read those, but, but he had some connections to some uh, in Jerusalem, some that were in the priesthood. And, and uh, so he was able to hire Shammah, and, and his attempt was to scare Nehemiah and to say, listen, they're going to come at night. You better hide out in the temple and, and cause him to sin, cause him to, uh, to violate the sanctity of the temple. And uh, at the end of verse 13, uh, that I should be afraid, and so that they could give me a bad name in order to, to taunt me. 
And so how does Nehemiah handle all this? Well, he leaves it in the hands of God. Verse 14, remember, this is kind of a prayer to God. God, remember Tobiah and Sambalot, oh my God, according to these things that they did, and also the prophetess Nobadiah, and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. Listen, church, this is, a, this is such a valuable, important lesson for us to learn. When somebody wrongs us or tries to deceive us, we, we want to get them back, don't we? Revenge. Make them pay. And, uh, but that's not what Nehemiah does. He just says, God, remember them. And, uh, you know, I know sometimes in counseling, I, I counsel with people and, and uh, they, they, somebody's done them wrong and it seems like they've gotten off with it and they, they just can't handle it. They're like, I, I've got to do something. Well, here's what Paul says we do. Romans 12. Now, some of you might want to look this up. Romans 12, 17. Repay no one evil for evil. Your flesh doesn't like that. I want to get you. I don't want to do that. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all, if possible. So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Well, you don't know my neighbor. No, it, it, as far as it's possible with you, live at peace with all. Verse 19 Beloved, never avenge yourselves. But leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And so the Lord says, I'll take care of it. Now, do you think that God is just? Anybody? Yeah? Do you think He's all-knowing? you think He's all-seeing? you think He ever sleeps? you ever think He's looking the other way and doesn't see what happened? No, no, he, he sees everything. He, he knows everything. Listen, he will take care of it. And, he, and listen, when he takes care of it, he will be completely just in his dealings with it. If I deal with it, it won't be just. I'm, you won't be just, but he will be. And so I just want you to know, he, he doesn't miss anything. He sees it all, and we can leave it with him, and he will take care of it. And so the enemy sought to stop the work of Nehemiah. But let me notice, let me point out some of the secrets of success that we learned from Nehemiah. Uh, there's several here. Uh, we've already seen this first one every time we go through the chapters, but, but Nehemiah's reliance upon God. Uh, nothing is more characteristic than Nehemiah than his reliance, his dependence upon God. It started back in chapter 1. As soon as he gets the word about the walls, he immediately goes to God and says, God, what do you want me to do here? And as the enemies come in the different chapters, he immediately goes to God. And, and we might think, well, by now he's had a, several weeks of success. Maybe now he's kind of thinking he can handle it himself. But no, we, we see here uh, in verse 9, uh, he says, uh, strengthen my uh, but now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. When, when they made these accusations, God, strengthen my hands. Verse 14, remember to buy and Sambalot, O oh my God, according. And so he still is relying upon God. And, and Nehemiah seems to understand everything in regards to a, a, a spiritual uh, framework, that there is this spiritual warfare against him. And, and so he goes to his king, his, his commander, his, the God who's mighty, the mighty warrior. We, he goes to God. And, and so that's, that we should learn from that. Where do we run when trouble comes? To our cell phones? To our gun cabinets? No, run to God. We sing about that, run into his arms. Run to God. 
Secondly, not only his reliance upon God, but Nehemiah's calling to a task. Nehemiah has this strong sense of, of his one great objective, and it is to get this wall rebuilt. That's, that's why God sent him back to Jerusalem, and uh, he, he knew that he was God's man for this particular task, and it would have been easy to get distracted and to go to those meetings, and uh, there were other important things going on, but that was his calling. And I just want to say, church, it's so easy for us to get distracted by secondary things. There are lots of good things we can do. The most important thing is to take the gospel. I mean, that's the theme of the Annie Armstrong offering this, this month is the gospel above all else. We, that, that's most important. Other things can help us get there, but, but that's what's most important. It's, it's kind of like a race. Uh, we we got to get running. we got to stay in our lane. And sometimes people get in your lane and slow you down, or sometimes you get in someone else's lane, and, and uh, you, you can't win if someone... If you, so God's called us to, to run. And he's given us a, a lane, and we want to give God our best. And, uh, you know, I, I know when I first got into ministry, I was young, and, and it seemed like some people tried to get in my lane sometimes. And I'd say, dude, you, you're in my lane. It's, this is one God called me to run in, and you, you're just getting in my way, and so get out of my lane. And, and sometimes you've got to tell someone, you're, you're in my lane. This, this is what God's called me to do. And, and i got to be careful not to get in your, I mean, God's given you certain things to do, and and so we run and we give God our best, and uh, he, he, he calls us, He equips us. And uh, so Nehemiah was certain of his calling, and he wasn't going to be easily deterred. And, uh, and, and again, for our ministries and groups, we, we had to reevaluate sometimes our priorities to make sure that we're, we're accomplishing God's things for His kingdom. We, we want to have influence here in Burlington, don't we? And, and surrounding areas, but we, we want to make sure that we're having an impact here and, and uh, we're, good, we're good stewards of the resources and the manpower, and, and so we have to evaluate those things. I'm thankful we're in a pretty good local association, Northern Kentucky Baptist Associations. We work together to try to reach Northern Kentucky. I, I came from an association that, man, they just wanted to have meetings and reports. And I said, I don't want to spend my life in meetings. Is that okay? Do you all? I told them what a phrase from back home, and I don't want to offend anybody with this, but we called it pole vaulting over mouse turds. Because <laughs> that's what you do in a lot of meetings. And uh, you can go around them. I mean, but anyway. I, I, so Nehemiah thought, God's got work to do, and I, I want to do the work. I, I don't, so... Um, and, and then we see Nehemiah's discernment. Uh, he's able to discern what's going on around him, and he's able to see through the schemes of the enemies. And uh, how, how was he able to see through those schemes? Well, he was walking close to the Lord, and that's really the key in it. When we walk close to the Lord, uh, we, we, we walk close to him, and uh, Nehemiah was certain of his calling, and he was able to discern that these invitations and these letters and these accusations and these false prophecies, they can't be from the Lord because he's, he's called me to this task, and they're, they're trying to keep me from this task. Today, listen, church, we, we got some resources. We, we have the Word of God, and we have the Spirit of God. We have everything we need uh, to be able to discern truth to have spiritual discernment around us. And, and we need to, when we hear things, or even when the culture tries to, to sell us on stuff, we, we need to see how that stuff aligns with the Word of God. And a lot of the stuff doesn't. And so we got to call it for what it is. And uh, Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.21, Test all things, 
and hold fast what's good. Test everything, everything you hear, test it with the Word of God. Verse 22 says, abstain from every form of evil. It's never been more important for us as Christians to have a biblical worldview. And so we got to get in the Word, and we got to walk close to the Lord uh, so that we can have some discernment. Here's what Jesus said in, in Matthew 10, 16. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. And we feel like that sometimes. I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. That's a good word, isn't it? So let me, how's your spiritual discernment? Do you, do you believe everything you hear? Or do you hear it and test it with the Word of God? That, that's what we should do. And then I want you to see Nehemiah's courage. Uh, some people have all those other characteristics, and yet they lack courage. Verse 11, Nehemiah says, To such a man as I run away... Listen, if you're on God's side, you're doing what God's called you to do, don't you run. I mean, if you're on God's side, you ought to have a little bit of courage, shouldn't you? Here's what Paul said in Romans 8.31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And so let me say a couple things about courage. I think true courage is not the absence of fear, but it's really doing what God wants us to do even when we're a little bit afraid. I mean, who's not afraid a little bit sometimes? I mean, we all are. But, but courage shows up when we yield our fears to God and we press on. We say, God, I, I'm fearful here, but I know this is what you want me to do, and so I'm going to do it, but I'm going to depend upon you. That, that's what courage is. Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything, but everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. God, I'm, I'm, I'm a little anxious about this, but I, I know you tell me not to, and so I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek your face. I'm going to bring it to you. That, that's what the Word tells us to do. And, and what I've found is most of the things that we fear, they're usually just some type of lie from the enemy. They're really not true most of the time. It's just the enemy's told us some lie, and we've, we've bought into it. One of my favorite illustrations kind of illustrates this. There was a, a seafood restaurant, and the, the owner started selling frog legs. And a local farmer heard that they were selling frog legs up there, and he went up there and talked to the owner and said, where are you getting those frog legs? And he said, well, i got an out-of-town supplier. And he said, won't you let me supply your frogs? i got, I got thousands that owner said, well, that'd be fine. When can you start bringing me frog legs? He said, how about next Friday? So next Friday comes around, and the farmer brings in seven frog legs. And he said, uh, that's all you got? And he said, it sounded like thousands. I've been around and around. The, that's all I got. It sounded like thousands, but it was really only a few. And listen, church, I just say that. Just If you're doing something for the Lord, you're serving in the Lord, there, there might be some that have loud voices and, and uh, opinions, and they may sound like thousands, but usually it's only a few. And so listen, don't let them discourage you from completing the task that God has called you to do. Be courageous and run your race. That God's, uh, keep your eyes on Jesus because there's all kinds of distractions and voices. But you run your race, you keep your eyes on Jesus. We get to verse 15. The wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. It had been 90 years they hadn't got that done. God sends Nehemiah and he rallies the people and they rely upon God. They get it done in 52. And I know we got, we're, we're asking the Lord for 52 baptisms this year. And uh, listen, we can say the same thing that Nehemiah did. Without God's help, they weren't getting that wall rebuilt. And without God's help... 
we're not going to see 52. We've we got to seek God. We've got to do our part. I mean, they put the stones there, but they relied upon God. We sow the seeds, and we rely upon God to bring the harvest. Somebody asked me yesterday, Sandy, at, at the funeral, they said they saw those, all those numbers out there. Do we really think we're going to get 52? And I'm like, if the Lord wills. Now, only he can, listen, the only way we're going to baptize 52, I tell you, you, you all are praying for your one. Man, you, if the Lord saves your one, we'll get 52. We'll get d- double that. Verse 16 says, And when all the, our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid. They fell greatly. They said, Uh-oh. <laughs> for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. And church, we got to know this. If we ever accomplish anything that's worthwhile, it will be because of the good hand of God. And when that happens, we give him the praise because he's the one that brings it to pass. And uh, Paul said it like this, being confident in this, being confident in this one thing. He who began a good work in, in me will bring it to completion. Listen, God saved me, and uh, I know I'm a mess, but he's going he's gonna to finish it up when Jesus comes back. And the same with you. He, he began the good work, and he will bring it to completion. And so listen, when God calls you to a task, he will see you through. You, you just got to walk in reliance upon him and be courageous. And I said last week, and I just want to end with this, that when we, when we see Nehemiah's leadership, we, we have to notice that, man, we see these leadership things magnified in Jesus, in his life. But just think about the couple things. When Jesus came, he relied completely upon his Father. You remember all the times where he'd get alone with the Father, and he said in, in John five nineteen, he said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do only, can do nothing on his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing, for whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. And so he's walking with the Father, and he's following the Father. We, we've got to learn from that. We walk close to God, and we follow him. And, and the other thing about Jesus is he was not going to be distracted from his mission. Lots of things people wanted Jesus to do. But he said, I came to seek and to save the lost. And uh, we know towards the end of the Gospels, as a matter of fact, in, in Matthew 16, Jesus is with his disciples, and he, he's trying to tell his disciples that I'm going to Jerusalem, and I'm going to suffer and die, and, and uh, that's what's going to happen. You remember what Peter said? Somewhere around Matthew 16, 22, he says, uh, Far be it from you, Lord. Uh, we're not going to allow that to happen. And Jesus, Matthew 16, 23, he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on things of God, but on the things of man. In other words, Peter, you're, you're not going to stop me from fulfilling my task. See, Jesus came. He, he did, again, I, he didn't just come to check out the earth. He created the earth. He, he came with a mission. We, we, were, we're sinners, and our sins demand punishment. Our sin separates us from God. We're in trouble. There's going to be no sin in heaven, and we all want to go to heaven, and we can't go because of our sins. And so Jesus came to take our sins. And so he came and lived a sinless life, and, and then he went to Jerusalem, and they put him on an illegal trial, and they... They scourged him and mocked him and punched him in the face and sped upon him. And then they nailed him to a cross. Church, that's why he came. Isaiah said that he would come as a suffering servant. Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep had gone astray. We did our own thing. But God has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so on the cross, Jesus takes my sins and your sins. 
Our sins look different, but I, I have a bunch of self-righteous sins. As a, as a young man, I, I was self-righteous. I thought I was something. And I, I always think, thank God that Jesus took my self-righteous. I wouldn't have a chance. We're all sinners. Jesus took my sin. And, and, and Hebrews 12, 2 says that uh, for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And, and so he came with that mission to, to bring salvation. And so as we close this morning, I just want to, it's a great day because God has given us an opportunity to respond. And uh, he's given you, all of us, an opportunity to repent of our sins. And, and for those who have never called upon the name of the Lord, he's given us an opportunity again. And I just want to say, I, don't take that for granted. You're not owed another day, another week. You, you might not be here next Sunday. I tell people, don't put off repenting and believing upon Jesus because this might be your last chance. 2 Corinthians 6, 2, Behold, today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. And so, But it's, a, it's an opportunity that you have today, and, and God has been long-suffering to some of you and, and giving you another opportunity. And so don't take that for granted today. Uh, if you're lost, if you're living in your sins, never trusted in Jesus, uh, today, this, this very moment is an opportunity that God extends to you to turn from your sins and to believe upon Jesus. Uh, and if you're saved, uh, hear the title this morning, No Time for Flinching. There's too much work to do. There, there's too many lost people around us for us to piddle-paddle on wasted stuff. We've got to get to the main thing in gospel, ministry, people hearing the good news Inviting people to be saved. No time for flinching, church. And so let's pray and we'll have a time of invitation. Lord, thank you for Nehemiah. Thank you for what we learned from him about staying true to the task. And even more than that, Father, we thank you for your son Jesus who came to save us from our sins. Lord, we sung about Jesus this morning. There's no other name. There's no other way to be saved than to turn from our sins and believe upon Jesus. And Lord, if there's a person here this morning who's never repented and believed, I, I pray that they've not passed this opportunity to believe. And Lord, for some, I, I pray you might grant them some, some courage today to accomplish uh, what you put on their heart to do. And, and maybe they've been sidetracked and maybe they've wasted time Lord forgive them of that and may they walk in encouraged today may they may they run their race may they keep their eyes on Jesus today and Lord I, I pray that, that you would uh, encourage some today uh, to serve you well bless this invitation Lord I pray and we realize that we can accomplish nothing apart from you and so may you show favor in these minutes in Jesus' name, amen. We, we stand and listen, the praise team is going to lead us. And uh, listen, if you'd like to know more about a relationship with Jesus, I, I'd love to talk to you about that. If, if you haven't prayed for your one for a while, we invite you to come and pray. The Lord's Supper is up here if you'd like to partake in that. If, if you feel like God's want to add, add you to our church, uh, I'd love to talk to you about that. You, you respond this morning as the Spirit's right.